HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Tabard Inn, new American cuisine in one of Washington, D.C.'s oldest hotels, located in DuPont Circle. For more information, visit tabardin.com. This week on Meat and 3, we're looking at factors that will shape our food world in 2019. We start with trend predictions and how media covers them. A website could theoretically devote all their coverage to these viral trends and, and get all sorts of hits. That's not a way to build sustainable readerships, just as it's not a way to build you know, sustainable restaurants. We report on a big change coming and how street meat will be served. On January 1st, a ban on plastic foam went into effect in New York City. And we round out the episode with a story about using gene editing to create the spicy tomato of the future. At first, it sounds like a, like a gimmick or like something that you would do for fun. The truth is, there is a real value behind it. It's not too late to make your resolution. Subscribe to Meet and 3 wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single episode this year. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to the Speakeasy. My name is Southern Teague. Um, my name is Matt Friedlander. I'm not Damon. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if you were going to have me do that or not. Oh, uh, well, you know, it's a <laughs> professional show we run here. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, Damon's out of town. Uh, he's uh, on his way back to San Francisco. Uh, he's not with us today, but we're thinking about him, thinking about his family, too. Um, but uh, in the studio, I've got my buddy Matt Freelander hanging out. Um, what, what are you up to right now, pal? As little as possible, actually. Um, uh, my last shift at GMing Sweetwater Social was this past Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, the most exciting Super Bowl ever. Um, <laughs> I didn't see one minute. It was it was really really lame. Yeah. So we wound I up drinking they, a lot I instead. Feel like they all are every year. Uh, you know, I there. I feel like last year because first of all, you know. I think most New Yorkers are not necessarily Patriots fans. Um, I personally have a lot of respect for a team that that's good athletically. I just really don't like their fans. Their fans are just like the really just annoying. <laughs> like just you know those those people that you know they walk in like six six wide you know into a bar on a Saturday night and you can just immediately just be like all right well this these these people are going to be kicked out within two hours. 
Um, but I think I feel like last year, you know, there were a lot of Philadelphia uh, transplants and Jersey transplants that are here in New York City, and so everyone was really rooting for the Eagles, and the Eagles won, and it was great, and it was this huge celebratory thing. We were playing the Rocky theme all night, and this past year was just kind of a little more subdued. Mm. Um, but you know, so we just wound up drinking instead, and obviously, it being my last night, I, I you know celebrated a little more than I probably should have. Um, but never get too drunk enough to count the money. And That's right. Payroll was uh, payroll was correct uh, from yeah. what I've been told. You're a professional. Uh, I try. To the, <laughs> you're the professional to the bitter end. So what does that mean for you? No more Sweetwater Social. Where's no Matt Freelander going? Uh, it was a great two and a half years. Um, and huge shout out to Sean Rose, Tim Cooper, Justin Noel. Um, amazing, amazing mentors in that business. Fantastic owners. Uh, I'm taking a week off, and I've just been sort of visiting my favorite bars. I was at Katana Kitten this week and Pouring Ribbons. And now I'm here at Roberta's. Uh, and then uh, starting Monday, I'm going to be GMing a uh, somewhat nautical operation yeah. uh, somewhere down in Tribeca. I'm going to be uh, the new GM at uh, Grand Banks. Right, which, which is, is a bar that's on a boat. Bar on a boat. Mm. Absolutely amazing. Um, that's my dream job. Yeah, I'm a little worried about for my, me. <laughs> I, you know, I would love to have you on there. I'm a little worried about my sweating. Um, I tend to sweat when it's 72 degrees outside. And so <laughs> August on a boat and me trying to dress the part of like a, you know, a linened up slash Miami Vice-ish kind of oh, thing. I love it. I can't yeah, wait. It's going to be terrible. I can't wait. T-shirt and shorts. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to take over uh, GMing Grand Banks as part of the Summer Ops uh, company, which also has Pilot in Brooklyn and Alan Oyster on Governor Island. And uh, looking forward to jumping on that team and eating a whole bunch of seafood every day. I mean, honestly, a dream job Rose. For me. I, I think a lot of people know, maybe I've mentioned on the show before, my, my ultimate goal for retirement is I'm going to live on a boat. Oh, God, yeah. Like, I can't, I can't express to you how much I love being on boats. So Absolutely. You're, and you're, the boats. You're taking my dream job. And the boats are dog-friendly. So Sally, who's with us in the studio today, That's Sally right. Bubby. There you go. Sally, you don't go anywhere without that dog, do you? Uh, uh, there have been times where I've needed a date night without her, yeah. uh, but it's few and far between. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, really, it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. Well, I'm super stoked to have you. What have you, you been up to? Well, I mean, you know, no, normal junk, you know, <laughs> operating three bars. Not you know, sleeping. I think the coolest thing that I, that's gone on for me recently is literally yesterday, uh, I got a check in the mail, my first check for my book. So I'm now a, I'm a, real, a real boy. Round of applause. I'm a real, I'm a real that's author. That's awesome. Yeah. Very hey, cool. Hey, there it is. <laughs> um, yeah, so how many how many books have you are you allowed to say how many books you've sold? Or? Yeah, my, my editor reached out to me on New Year's Eve to say, um, you know, uh, we crossed the seventy five hundred mark, uh, meaning that my book launched on August twenty eighth, and by New Year's Eve uh, sold seventy five hundred. That's I, huge. I kind of like paused. I was just waiting on the phone, listening, no no noise, and I was like, I, I have no rubric. I don't know is that good or bad. Are you yelling at me? Are you telling me this is great? Like, <laughs> right. No, he's oh no no this is very good this is very good okay so so I guess I'm doing very good that's great uh, yeah congrats that's, thank you thank you thank you um, all right well I appreciate you being here and hanging out and, and sort of taking over Damon's seat I'm gonna um, try to not embarrass you or embarrass myself too late too late Matthew <laughs> we've known each other long enough that's a long a long gone time fair enough um, but our special guest in the studio today the lovely and talented Miss Frankie Marshall how are you Frankie hello gents <laughs> lovely to be here oh my good gosh that voice is perfect for radio <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> She's got the perfect um, voice for radio, and I have the perfect face for radio. It's, it's, it's going to yeah. be a good show. It's going to be the greatest. Um, Frankie, what are you up to these days? Well, well if my first question is, since you've uh, sold 7,500 bucks, uh, do I get a cut of any of that? Yeah. <laughs> You're in the book. Exactly. That's right. That's right. That's right. I'm just like, <laughs> where's my piece? <laughs> 
yeah, you're in the know. book. Seriously, congratulations. Oh, that that is a lot. Thank you. you. I, I again, you know, when he told me that number, I was like, uh, yeah, I don't know what that means. Is that a lot? Is that a little? Yeah. Um, but he was like, no, very. I mean, when your editor's happy, I guess you're doing the right thing. Well, you sure. become very, very, very good at marketing these days. I've, I've learned. I'm learning. Is yes. what I, yeah, to do this Machine show. Learning. Just so everybody knows, to do this show, he threatened me. He said, "You have to like my creative drunk page on Facebook." <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's one way to get that's <laughs> some a, followers. That's, that's one <laughs> like a week I get. <laughs> Maybe two. <laughs> Uh, no, but if I, I found out early on, I didn't even realize this, uh, when you have a page, like I have, of course, my, my personal Facebook account, Southern Teague, but I have a page called Creative Drunk. When yeah. you have a page, you can't tag people unless they've liked you. So when people are on the show, uh, I can't tag them. So, not, I, so now in the, uh, in the thing that I give to people, I just say, go ahead and like my page. That way when I promote it on the page, you can get You don't worry. I like you. I like I you. I know you do. You're the best. So you're like our favorite Francophile, um, and your name's Frankie, so it matches up real well. You... Did you live in France? I did. I did that proverbial year abroad in Strasbourg. Oh, France, you're much right more there. than a year abroad. <laughs> I've there been abroad for many years. <laughs> it's true. But yeah, so I did. And uh, it was great. It was one of those years, uh, literally a lot of firsts that year. And I learned a ton. I learned to appreciate a lot of... It's such, it's such a cliche when you talk about it. When I hear myself sitting here going, oh, I went to France and I learned all these things. But it's true. Well, I mean, how could it I, not be, right? Yeah, I guess. It, it, but it, it really is true. You were in Strasbourg, you said? Exactly. Okay. Strasbourg. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And you were there for, was this during college? Yeah, that was. I went there for school. Yep. So I did. I stayed there for a whole year and I went, uh, you know, I went over there with nobody, you know, I didn't even have a, I had a hotel reservation. But I didn't know where I was going to live. And actually, that was a hard, a really hard part, is, was finding a place to live. Sure. <laughs> it took me like 10 days. It so was you really... stayed in a hotel in France for 10 days well, while you looked well, for Well, I apartment. Went, eventually went to the hostel because it was too expensive to sure. stay in the, my nice hotel room. But uh, yeah, thank goodness I had, you know, uh, parents who would, you know, finance those things in those days. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they're there for, though. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. How do you think that that experience of going to France... You know, you say it's cliche, but it shapes you, right? So how do you think that that shaped you? And, and do you think that had any impact on your current career? Yeah, I mean, I always, uh, the whole French thing just, it just came to me. You know, when I was, I started, started studying French as a, in school, you know, age like six, seven and up. And yeah, I mean, I was always, uh, I wasn't the best at that time, but, uh, you know, I was in a little movie that we made, you know, the French teacher picked me, you know, I had to eat a baked potato and talk about it. <laughs> so, Where's this footage exactly now? Right. This is Instagram gold right here. You should be posting that. Yeah. I'm going to start Googling right, right. Oh, No, 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 please, please, please. <laughs> uh, no, so yeah, it was always, you know, part of me. I did a French immersion course in Switzerland, you know, in high school, that kind of thing. This was, and so, you know, I told my parents, I said, look, I want to live in your, I want to go to school over there. So get, put that money aside. Right. <laughs> where, where's the springboarding from? Where are you from? Well, you know, <laughs> I, I have the same response when people ask me because yeah, I've lived it's so many complicated. places. Yeah. I will say, you know, my background, we're Jamaican, Chinese, Irish, and Scottish. Okay. And oh, it's a typical blend, you exa- know, I'd say. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, yeah. Most of my friends are very right. similar. Yeah. <laughs> just one of, you know, just one of those, those people. <laughs> and I grew, you spent a lot of time in a different places. Right. So, you know, the U.S., I spent some time in Canadiania. And of course, uh, in uh, in Europe. Uh, so yeah, it's. Uh, but back to your question, yeah, it shaped me in a lot of ways. I learned to appreciate wine over there yep. and fresh food. 
you know, even I mean, as a young person, right? So a, yeah. you're a college age person, you're getting yeah. exposed to like yeah, and walking good cheese, yeah, and you know shopping at multiple places to get everything instead of daily. one giant place. Right, daily. daily. You got a, you got a right. fridge the size of a shoebox, probably. Well, yeah. Well, at least, you know, I lived with the, the good thing is when I first moved there, I lived by myself, which was not the best idea, just because I was, you know, just by myself there. <laughs> so I eventually moved in with some French people, which was the smartest thing to do because sure. so then I could speak French, and uh, so that's when things really, you know, took off. So, yeah. And today I feel like if I have a question regarding cognac, Armagnac, Pinot de Charente, those sorts of things, you're like the first person that comes to my mind. So I feel like that had to have impact, right? Well, yeah. And I, fr- I mean, you were probably too young to be touching those things at that time, but knowing that culture yeah. and then coming back here and then getting into this industry, surely that was like a, an obvious green light for you to go that way, right? Yeah, it, it was. But as I said, it all just kind of made sense. And one thing led to another. That's one thing I found in my life. A lot of things have just, I, I mean, I've made a lot of things happen, but there's been a lot of serendipitous kind of, you know, just, you know, again, like one thing leading to another. But um, first of all, thank you for that. I appreciate the, the thought. True. Um, but yeah, there are certain things like, uh, actually that cognac competition. I think that's the first time I met you, by the way, yep. uh, 2012. Yep. Yeah. I mean, uh, that actually, it wasn't even that one. It was, it was winning another w- one that was, um, <clears throat> sponsored by tales of the cocktail, mm-hmm. um, winning that, you know, got me to a trip to, to cognac, put me on the, the radar for the BNIC, uh, and their agency, someone from there invited me to apply to be a cognac educator. Uh, the BNIC, which, by the way, is the, the, the governing B- authority that tells the rules that are cognac, right? Exactly. I don't know what it stands it's for. Bureau National Interprofessionnel de Cognac. That just it, makes me I'm melt. I'm really glad that she said that instead <laughs> of us. makes me melt yeah. when she talks like <laughs> that's, that. That's unbelievable. I've been there. I've been there. When I, I went know. To, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. No, but I, I know that you you went. And uh, so let's, so you have experienced that also. You know, you just feel that it's some a place that you really want to go back to. Um, yeah, it's mired in a lot of, like, tradition and history and heritage. And, like, they're really... And families I mean, also. I mean, absolutely. You know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I, and that's one thing that I, I like to talk about with uh, Cognac, too, is that some people look at certain brands and they just associate it with, say, a lifestyle sure. or maybe a style of music. But the, these houses go back hundreds of years, you know, and again, like families running them, yeah. you know, and families, uh, like tradition handed down. So it's not just about the here and now, which is great. It's great that Cognac, I mean, exports have, they've been going up ever since, I, you know, Coincidentally enough, they've been going up since 2014, since the year I became a cognac educator. Hmm, could not <laughs> yeah, be no, a coincidence. It's, it's no. well, can know. be a coincidence. But, but so, uh, I mean, uh, cognac's in a great place right now. So, yeah, I think it's finally coming back. You know what's interesting to me though that you're saying that uh, uh, exports have, have have increased. It was shocking to me that when I was at the BNIC, they posted up. You know, they had us in a lecture room with a slideshow or what have you. Yeah. Uh, and they posted up a, a, a pie chart, and it showed the percentages of uh, where cognac goes all over the world. Right. And the smallest percentage was that stays home. Of course, yeah. And I was like, that'd be like telling Americans, you know what, we don't drink American whiskey. Yeah. Well, bullshit. We drink it all. Yeah, yeah. but there was a time when it wasn't in vogue, right? Sure. Right. Well, to be honest, so the guy said it's because you know the French. People, the younger French people, think of it as an old person. Exactly. Thing. Yeah, they they don't want to drink what Grammaire is drinking. Exactly. What uh, are the young French people drinking now? Vodka. They told scotch. Us. Really? Is, is it a scotch? lot of yeah, a lot Rock of scotch. Do scotch. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, huh. Or well, they're drinking less and less actually. Apparently, um, even less wine. But uh, yeah, scotch is really big over there. Um, 
and yeah, ninety percent of cognac is exported, which is almost uh, it sounds unimaginable, right? It's crazy. Yeah, but Nuts. yeah. So, so talk to me a little bit more about be, being a cognac educator. What does that mean? Well, um, so I educate educate me on your cognac education. Um, I. So, yeah, I was going to say to you that then that led to the whole uh, being an educator also led to the Pinot thing. But uh, an educator, you know, it's just um, I always say I'm not an expert on kind of I just, uh, you know, we I'm um, certified to talk about it. (laughs) So sometimes I talk about it. And uh, yeah, it is. And it's been a great experience because we've done it. I have done everything from, you know, work at Cocktail Spirits uh, like three or four years ago. Uh, working a cognac cognac booth there to you know going to places like um, what was that short lived a Golden State you know mm-hmm. or just going to cocktail festivals and doing uh, you know classes there um, so yeah it's anything like that and of course it's on me as well to to do any events that I want to right is that is that is that sponsored by any particular brand or is it just like a, it's a it's a it's a certification of some kind how does that go yeah so it's so the BNIC represents you know, all of cognac. So if you are a cognac producer, you have to say, uh, the BNIC has to know what you're doing and you have to report to them with, you You pay taxes, that kind of thing, which helps to support the um, the initiatives that they do. Uh, it's a, also a financed by the, the EU as well. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, so uh, what I, when you're an educator, it's not sponsored by a brand. Right. Um, as I said, you've got a couple of uh, different routes. I've been lucky that I've actually been asked by uh, the BNIC and by agencies to do some work, but a lot of educators, a lot of educators uh, just do their own thing. You know, you can just do tastings, private tastings, anything like that, classes. And, but you have that certification behind you so people know that you've at least, you know, you've... you've you're not full of shit. Exactly. Well, you still could be, but you're certified. You're certified, <laughs> certified to be full, full of shit. shit. Exactly. I'm curious how, 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 we, how you go about um, actually, you know, like expanding that market. Because I think, you know, for, for I think most people, cognac is something that you either drink after dinner, if your parents are picking up the tab, or, you know, you make an occasional sidecar or maybe like a really old school cognac cocktail. But like, how, 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 how do you go about bringing like the coolness of cognac to people nowadays. Like, well, what is that? Well, first of all, we want it. That was me slapping you for saying those things. No, <laughs> it's not just for after dinner anymore. We want to avoid those stereotypes. Um, <laughs> exactly. But, you no, but you're absolutely right. That's what a lot of people think. And it is great after dinner. But, um, well, to their credit, that's why they've made educators out of people like myself and a whole host of other people who are not, you know, older French men in suits talking right. about the brand. So that's part it's of it. Kind of boring. Kind of. Kind of. Right, like a big <laughs> so, snifter in a room full of leather-bound books and a cigar. Yeah, I, yeah. although I like the sounds of leather-bound. I like all that stuff. But it's, <laughs> so, yeah. it's, it's an image that, that of speaks course. of exclusivity. Yeah, exactly. And, exactly. So, you know, by bringing it into the cocktail world, which is, you know, that competition was a big part of it, yeah. and just, um, you know, reaching out to bartenders, um, people in the industry, uh, a lot of different brands have had very various initiatives. You know, one brand has brought in people to do uh, kind of remixing in a studio with cool DJs. I mean, there's all kinds of you know that's activations. Fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so that's part of it. it's just education, getting people to taste it and taste different expressions because not all cognacs are suited for after dinner. Quite sure. frankly, sure. You sure. know, um, I did a thing last year where we went around to uh, various bars um, 
Amour was one of them. Oh, that passport thing. Yeah, the passport. What was it? I don't remember what it was called, but yes. Yeah, exactly. So, and it was just di- trainings at different cocktail bars. And we, I brought in, th- well, we had a, about a lineup of six to taste. And we made cocktails with these different expressions. And yeah, it was, you know, making juleps with, uh, you know, like a, a cliffside aged cognac, that kind of thing. It's, it's, huh. just, it's really about yeah. just experimenting with the different profiles and the different cocktails, you know, and just not... Necessarily, you don't have to put uh, like an XO in your in your Sazerac. Right, you don't have to pigeonhole because some drink. You know, I think what you're trying to say. I feel like some cognacs drink like a whiskey. Some cognacs drink like rum, and some cognacs drink like the stereotype cognac, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And that can be honestly the age statement, or it can be the brand, or like you just said, where, where exactly the terroir, you know, and the which is, the, of is course. the part that like that's the part I'm out. Of, I'm out of my depth. Yeah, well, you can speak to that. Yeah, I mean, it just it depends where obviously your cognac is coming from, right? Soils. We talk about that with wine. Um, I'm a big wino. I drink a lot of wine, and uh, so that's that's something that uh, I you know you notice in your glass. Um, and there's so many different expressions these days. The way that they're how they're aged, how long, what types of barrels, that kind of thing. There's a whole new set of not new set, but a uh, I'd say like a more forward-thinking generation of uh, cognac makers who are, you know, experimenting with barrel finishes and, um, you know, not adding anything to their cognacs, huh. uh, that kind of thing. So it's it's changing. It's and you know has changed. And, but it's slow change, right? Because we're talking about things that are literally aged for sometimes a hundred years. So you can't change the rules on th- something that's been down in in, in in aging for ninety-nine years. You gotta say, well, okay, we'll change it on the next round, but everybody has to get past that stock, right? Well, so when the BNIC comes forward and says, Oh, we're gonna change something or tweak a little rule, that rollover takes right. and, and a that, generation, maybe? Like, well, and that yeah. rule gener- those rules wouldn't wouldn't be coming from uh, the well. They'd be handed down by the BNC, but they, that comes from a lot of pushing from the main makers themselves because they want to, yeah. you know, they want to appeal to a different audience or a wider audience, I should say. And I would think also that a lot of the producers and, and you know, they have a, a bit of a bit of pull with the BNIC. They're like, listen, you know, I mean, I'm not sure if that's true, but like, if you know, if they want to, we want to move more product, we want to introduce this to a new generation of people who are drinking this. I mean... You know. But you're right. It, it takes, you know, a consensus of we were talking about, you know, hundreds of uh, producers, that yeah. kind of thing. So um, what I would I want to talk about this because it's, it's been some years since I've been there. Um, I'm going to drop the question. Then we're going to take a break. But uh, think about this while we go on break. When I was there, I was told that many, many of the smaller houses were getting snapped up by the bigger houses. You know, uh, uh, Hennessy and, and, and Remy and the, the bigger houses are snapping up the smaller ones that are maybe struggling. Um, do you think that that is is a sign that maybe because it's only a certain region? Does that mean that there's a, there's an eventuality that it'll just be one big giant that owns the whole region? Is that a thing that could happen? I don't think so. <laughs> no, right, short answer. I, <laughs> there you go. She didn't have, I mean, she didn't have to think about step it. off. Hennessey. Yeah, no, I mean. Uh, I, I, I've never heard that. What I know is that a lot more producers are snapping up. I don't know. I don't mean snapping up, but like if, if there's a smaller, because some of these yeah. folks literally have an acre of land and they're super tiny. Yeah. But then enrolls a big boy and offers them an offer they can't refuse. And so they get bought, you know, or maybe they're struggling or, or whatever. They just want to change their lifestyle. Who knows? But I, I, I was told that hmm. there are some smaller houses 
that are just getting bought up by the bigger houses. And then if the, in my mind, the eventuality was oh, this giant monster is going to swallow all the small fish, right? Hmm. I wonder if those are houses or they're just uh, people who are producing or have those acres. Or, or even just growers, just, right? Yeah, maybe, so maybe I'm, growers. Maybe I'm mis- mis- mistaken. They, yeah. have, they have vineyards that yeah. can be very small that are on the property uh, they're in that, the region. That sounds more likely because, you know, a, a Hennessy, even if they have... Um, you know, their own vineyards, it's, it would never enough to sustain all of their production. So right. they, they've been buying from hundreds of different producers for years, uh, different growers. Growers, I right. Say. Yeah. Maybe I misspoke. Yeah, so yeah. it's growers. But, but it, within those growers, there are certain uh, people who produce their own as well. So they, they sell to a big house and they've started, you know, producing under their own label. Sure. So 100, can, 100 cases or whatever. Yeah, like so small, have, small amounts. Kind of like in a way how bourbon works, I would think, you know, like there's a lot of, you know, obviously these huge bourbon distilleries who are basically just buying you know, a bunch of whiskey from different places, but then you have these like very, very small reserve houses that are making this sort of small batch stuff and yeah. there's room for everyone. Yeah. Big ones are going to probably sell a little more, but yeah. yeah. Character. The yeah. character gets And there's always up. those people who are, especially right now, who are seeking out that individualistic type of cognac, you know, the things are different. Um, and there's some great stories, you know, f- a lot of more female uh, blenders and distillers, uh, you know, a brother and sister team here, you know, so it's it l- really interesting. Still. Awesome. Well, let's take a break and hear from our sponsors. And when we come back, we're going to keep talking with Frankie Marshall and my special guest co-host, Matt Freelander. Yay. Right here on Heritage Radio Network, celebrating our 10th year. Wow. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Tabard Inn. Tabard Inn, Washington, D.C.'s quintessential hotel, is located on a quiet, tree-lined street just five blocks from the White House. Vibrant yet unassuming, the Tabard is comprised of 40 sleeping rooms, each unique in character and design. Feast on an eclectic American cuisine in their acclaimed restaurant, or enjoy a cocktail and listen to live jazz in one of their cozy Victorian seating areas. Mingle with travelers from around the world who find the Tabard the only place to stay when taking their travels to Washington. For more information, visit tabardin.com. Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. Hi, my name is Sam Ben Ruby, and I'm the host of The Great Nation on Heritage Radio Network. With this show, we bring wine to the people. Each week, we bring the best guests in wine on, taste different wines on air, and invite our listeners to taste with us. You'll find our approach to wine decidedly unsnobby. You can find The Grape Nation wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. And we are back on Heritage Radio Network in the studio today. I've got my guest co-host, uh, Matt Freelander. Uh, hey. Currently, uh, well, currently fun employed, I guess. Fun employed. No longer with Sweetwater <laughs> Social, moving to uh, Grand Banks. And of course, our special guest today, our favorite Francophile, Miss Frankie Frankie Marshall. Um, Frankie, we've been talking about cognac. We didn't really brush on Armagnac at all yet. Do you deal with that stuff at all? I drink Armagnac. I love all the gnacks. Um, <laughs> there is it's a gnac attack. A gnac attack. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm not a cert, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm not a certified uh, Armagnac specialist. Although I did take May uh, Mata Alias, of course. She is the um, an ambassador for Armagnac uh, on the East Coast here, and she does a, she runs a really great uh, day long course um, that I recommend to people who are interested in that. Yeah, cool. We'll put that in the show notes. What was her name again? May Mata 
Alia, M-A-T-A hyphen A-L-L-I-A-H. Nice. I believe, or one L. But, um, but I did go to Armagnac. I was with my, uh, my partner in Pino, Hoke Harden. He's also a cognac educator. Mm-hmm. When we were in uh, cognac in uh, 2017 together, and we drove down to, uh, to Armagnac. So I've been to a few houses down there and got to see the region. So that was really, really exciting in Gascony. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, how often do you get yourself over to France? Well, funny you should say that. No, I don't. <laughs> no, I'm lucky enough. I've been there in the last, I think, eight. My first time is 12, right? 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. So I've been there eight times in the last seven years. So I was there twice in 2015. Not bad. So, yeah. Huh, yeah. So, last time I was in France was college. Oh, and man, that was, uh, what, just a couple of years ago? Right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Two, yeah, 2000. 2000. So I just remembered how to say baked potato in French. It's patates cuites. <laughs> oh, well, okay. Did, did he butcher uh, it? I probably totally butchered it. Yeah, that's cooked cook potato. Ah, see? There you go. It's so rusty. <laughs> Pomme de terre. Pomme de terre. Well, you could say patate, but you patate. know, pomme de terre is a proper well, apple, apple of the apple earth. Apple of the earth, yeah. yeah. Earth apples. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they're different where I'm from. I, I'll say. <laughs> Earth apples look a little different from yes, here, from this angle. They do, um, but you're. Uh, let's get back to France and French stuff. <laughs> you're also a big proponent of Pinot de Chiron. You just mentioned your partner Hoke Harden, Hoke Harden in that field. Yeah. What um, for edification of our listener and, and a little bit for me, though I've had it enough, I should know better. Um, talk about what it is. What is Pinot de Chiron? You see it on menus all over the place. It kind of it kind of popped bo- up out of nowhere. I've had a it, bottle in the back bar for two and a half years, and it's just yeah, put it in there. the fridge. Yeah. There you go. Put that shit in it the hasn't, hasn't been opened yet. Has oh, okay, t- okay. Completely sealed. Just standing, <laughs> just sitting there. It's like once we crack it, we should do something with that, right? But uh, so no one knows. We'll have Pinot de Chiron on the menu at uh, Windmill. Yes, you d- yeah, and that's a great thing. And uh, it's a Pinot de Chiron. It's three quarters um, fresh pressed grape must. Okay. Of course, the must is grape juice. Uh, not Welch's, but uh, the must is actual a must. fresh. The must a must. And one quarter cognac eau de vie. So okay. it's from the same region that we're talking about, um, Cognac region, Charente, Charente Maritime. And uh, that's another thing that stays, a lot of it has stayed mostly in France, but that's why they brought myself and Hoke on to, to change that. I hope they, <laughs> what sort of applications do you see people using that in as far as cocktails go? Or? Honestly, it's really, really versatile. Anything yeah. from uh, P&T, Pinot Tonic, Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and it really needs to be chilled. Sure. So you can have it just any kind of aperitif, anything, any spritz, royale, put it in there, modifier. Uh, if any of the staff from Suar Social is listening right now, by the way, please put that it, bottle yeah, right. on the low boy right now. <laughs> Let's do it right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's right. I mean, if they're listening. I thought this was a required it's listening right. over there, wherever be. you work. It yeah. used to be. It used to be. Yeah. He, he's out the door now. Who cares? Turn the radio off. But uh, so, yeah, um, you know, use it uh, like a vermouth uh you could use it as a seasoning base modifier i've made a tiki style cocktail with it um it's it's 17 percent abv on average so that's one thing you have to watch is just um you know not m- using a something else with it that's too too high proof um but yeah it really has all the applications and then food as well it's a great accompaniment to food sure um just drink it on its own cheese is an easy one oysters you know fruit like cantaloupe uh, chocolate with the red pinot. Where did this Where did this process come from? 
why why on earth would someone say to themselves, I'm going to add grape juice to my already well, it, the story spiritus is, booze, right? Mm. It, it started as a uh, it was an accident, a happy accident with a they had a wine grower who had Typical. a surplus, a surplus <laughs> of um, it was a wine grower who was drunk. <laughs> well, he could have been drunk, and he he had a surplus of a, um, grape juice that a grape must that he wanted to. Uh, put aside so he put it into a barrel and then went back to it years later and found that discovered that the barrel actually had uh some eau de vie in it so now he had this blend of uh, grape must and eau de vie and you're still claiming years. that he wasn't drunk is what i'm saying yeah <laughs> check your barrels well he sobered <laughs> up by the time he went back into right the right so that's the legend of pinot de, Ch- de Chirant, and this was around 1589 so um so yeah, and from there it became you know like everything else. It was uh, not I shouldn't say everything else, but it was served at you know weddings and births that kind of thing. Uh, stayed very much in the communities, and uh, then you know started to export it slowly. Belgium, a French-speaking Canada, they're big uh, big uh, Pinot de Chirant proponents, and slowly now here we are mm-hmm. talking about it and using it and. Uh, yeah, and properly refrigerating it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, I also think, it, I mean, certainly as an accident, but I think it's probably, at least in my mind, maybe even back then, though they probably weren't thinking about ABV, it's a way to enjoy the the cognac that you've got working, but at a at a slower pace and lower ABV, and be able to just you know sip on it, right? You, you add some grape must to it and bring down its ABV. Also creates shelf stability. I'm sure that that wine or that juice rather is like. You know, perishable to some degree. Sure, and you haven't fermented it yet. You yeah, know. yeah, and that's it. I, I did. I hope I said unfermented grape grape must. You did, yeah. Um, because it's yeah. So yeah, I mean that's how that's how um, the juices were uh, like were preserved. You mm-hmm. know, by adding like we call vermouté. You know, by adding the um, like fortified juice to your grape or, or whatever. Sorry your fortified spirit to your juice to preserve it. Yeah. So, um, alcohol is a preservative. We're exa- just, we're, yeah. we're, you know, it's smart. It's, you know, it's survival. It's yeah. done wonders for you, Souther. So, yes, uh, it's done wonders for me. <laughs> Absolutely. It's done wonders for your, uh, it's preserving your you earth really apples. Well. But, uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm sure that is, you know, that is a legend. So the, the thing with Capino is it has to be made by the, the juice and the the fortified spirit have to come from the same producers. So, you know, we're talking, they're all coming from the same place. So, yeah, I mean, people had oh. a leftover, you know, we have a little extra juice. What are we going to do with it? You know, but it still needs to be aged. There are aging requirements. And, and just so I can add one last thing, nothing's added to it. So there's no sugar added. There's no coloring, uh, nothing. So everything you're tasting is completely natural. Makes it taste better. And they're beautiful and they're delicious. Yeah. And they're, again, what a wide range. I tasted like yeah. a crap ton mm-hmm. of them before I chose the one that I chose. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to circle back to something. I'm not sure if uh, jumping the gun here, Southern, but you said earlier before the break that you were talking about how there are a lot of a lot more uh, distillers and producers coming out, particularly females. And I was wondering if you would maybe uh, talk about being a female in this industry mm-hmm. and you know being an expert and being an amazingly you know lauded bartender and uh, just talk about... Uh, is the industry and not letting go of that, by the way. I feel like some women may have to feel like they have to hide their femininity, but I think you, you, like you, are known to be like this flamboyantly sort of beautifully dressed and well made up all the time. Like, yeah, lay into that. Well, I wake up like this, just so you know. Oh, um, I woke up like this. Yeah, <laughs> love it or leave it. It's just the way it is. No, um, you know what? I. Um, and do you get sick of that question? I do. Yeah, I'm really tired uh, yeah. of that That's question. Another, yeah, but uh, 
Because you know what? I, I, I hate to ask, and I, I try not to ask it in just normal conversation, well, but yeah. here we can get to a bigger audience, so it's worth asking. You right. Know? So I just, even referring to, you know, last night when I was watching that, uh, whatever happened on TV last night. Yeah, um, I missed it out. I'm, I'm so, go, yeah. No, but there is, there is an interesting moment where, you know, he was saying that uh, there's more than ever, there, you know, whether it's uh, more African-Americans, more Latinos working, more women working. And there was cheers and chants of USA, which is really bizarre. But cheers. And uh, I just want there to be a day when we don't need to cheer about that sure it's just the way it is absolutely you know and that's what i'm fighting for as a person uh and i and i'm doing it subtly in my own way you know by just being a badass well you know just being yeah qualified or you know or just learning as much as i can and just always bringing i don't overstate i'm an understater if anything mm. you know so uh yeah under promise over deliver that's the rule that's generally what i try to do rather than being one of these people who like oh check this you know and then showing <laughs> we know those people right oh, yeah. uh, do we? oh we do we, we were speaking about a couple of them before yeah, just before up. the yeah. show yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um mm. so, names won't be named right yeah. <laughs> after yeah. as soon as the mic's off let's yeah. let's go at it Gossip but time so that's you know that's how i that's what i think of it. i always want to be judged and I was thinking about this in the, the horrible cab right over is that, uh, you know, Martin Luther King said it, um, something and I'm paraphrasing where he longs for a day where his children are judged by the content of the character and not by the color of their skin. Absolutely. And that's, you know, I'm all about that. You know, just being uh, just the best you can be, no matter if you're, a, you know, an Asian, if you're white, if you're, you know, uh, a little person with a disability uh you just have to be uh the best that you can be and hope that people recognize that you know and um and just keep fighting for it that way do you i mean you just said the word fight do you, do you find it to be a fight or, or are you just you're just Actually, doing your thing yeah I, to be honest with you i don't generally find there's uh, let's be honest though there have been times where uh you know i've definitely faced um some jealousy from um, colleagues and, uh, you know, this kind of like side, this side kind of like, why are you getting, you know, this exposure? Why are you getting this, that kind of thing? Sure. Um, it ain't luck. It, that's, that's, you know, well, to uh, to be honest, there, you know, there's a little bit part of that sometimes, you know, certainly in the beginning. I, you know, I, I live and die by the, the old adage, uh, yeah. uh, uh, the harder I work, the luckier I get. Right. Oh, there you go. It ain't yeah. luck. Yeah. It's hard work. Well, you know, so there's that. And sometimes, you know, it's the place that you work. You know, let's be honest, some places will get more of a spotlight or more of a, uh, attention than others. Sure. So, you know, I've worked in some um, some good places. Mm. So there, but, but still, you still have to prove yourself because at the end of the day, if you're that person who people are kind of putting their trust in and you don't deliver, that's not good for anybody. Right. You know, it's not good for your type. To be honest, sure. because then another person comes along, they will remember that last one. You know, they couldn't handle it. So, mm. um, right. so for me, it's really important to back up, to be able to back up, back yourself up, hundred percent. You know, know what the hell you're talking about, or else don't talk. There you go. Yeah. Sometimes it's good to be quiet. <laughs> yeah, reticence is a virtue, and that's something that, especially some more up and coming. Uh, Industry people these days don't realize. I and I, should. I don't even link, link it to the industry. It's just people. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes yeah. It's, sometimes <laughs> just true. sit there with your damn mouth shut. Yeah. yeah. You know, absorb some things, listen, yeah. and then form an opinion. I mean, I think there's something to be said. You know, it's it's one of those things, especially in this industry, where I think there are a lot of people that get into it and they and they see people like mm. you or like Souther and they go, well, that's exactly who I want to be in two years time. Yeah. Um, I just learned how to make cocktails, and in two years, I'm going to be. Yeah. Uh, 
and not to say that you guys refer to yourselves this way, but a star. And I think there's something to be said about, you know, doing the work and having integrity and showing up every day and building your own reputation and not, you know, hooking on someone else's star, but actually making your own yeah. career out of who you are and finding your own path on it. Because the one thing that I think everyone really, really craves in people like you guys is a sense of uniqueness and, and originality. Um, and I think through that, you get that sort of amazing presence that you both worked so hard for. So. Thanks, man. Thank you, Matt. Wow. Yeah, yeah, wow. Uh, yeah. All right. Show's I'm done. over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're, you're absolutely uh, right. And I, I was actually working, I had a guy working with me, and he literally said, I want to be a star tender. I want to be like, and he named somebody, oh, you know, Christ. and I nearly grabbed him by the throat. <laughs> but I did start shaking him. Like, stop. Don't ever say that to any. I really told him, so don't ever say that to anybody. Just that word. Again. Yeah. That right. Word. There's a way to, there's a way to emulate. There's a way to aspire. Um, yeah. But you shouldn't uh, hook your, uh, you know, hook your dreams on someone else's success you should make your own exactly yeah, you, you know because uh, you can and, and that's the great thing about these days you can be an author of a mixology book hey, can I call that. it a mixology book why not you know and sell 7,500 copies would that have happened uh, 10 years ago I don't think so Mm-hmm. Uh, and certainly not for me. Yeah. This book cooked in my head for almost 10 years. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I literally dug through the archives of my own emails mm-hmm. and found my first reference to this book from an interview with um, Metro Mix. Remember that? It used to yeah, be an online... I do. Metro, <laughs> it was an online, it was an online uh, magazine. Yeah. It no longer exists, but I... I, band, I think my band did an interview with them. Yeah. Back <laughs> probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And City Search. What happened to City Search? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> I did an interview with them, and the last question of the interview, you know, they were talking about whatever I was doing at the time, but the last question was, what's next for you? And I said, I think I'm thinking of writing a book tentatively titled, I'm Just Here for a Drink. Yeah. Which then became, I'm Just Here for the Drinks, 10 years later. Mm-hmm. Nine. Nine years later. Mm-hmm. So even your own, uh, you know... Uh, I think even my own, it had to come slowly. Yeah, It was in my brain, so I was kind of working on it passively mm-hmm. and considering things I would want to include for years. And then finally I was like, okay, now I'm going to put the thing out. Mm-hmm. While also building your own sort of personal brand as being who you are as, sure. in, in, this, in this cocktail world and in the bar industry and just in hospitality in general. I mean, I've seen you work a room, and I've never seen anyone work a room like that before, you know? And I think the same thing with Frankie. And that didn't come overnight. That, no, absolutely that's, not. That's years of practice. Yeah. And okay. then once you get to that level where you've established yourself as this sort of thing, it's like, oh, by the way, I can now I can put a fucking book out. Yeah. And, uh-huh. you know, at least 7,500 people are going to buy it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably more. Maybe, I hope. Yeah. Anybody want to get a book? They'll get it. <laughs> but, I, you know, the word I just use, I, I think of a lot in my mind, like, Practice. Yeah. Every, every day I work is practice. You yeah. know, it's just like when you, you know you practice law, you practice being a doctor. You practice this too. Mm. Every day is practice. Well, hopefully, it's practical. When hopefully, when you're a doctor, you practice before you got to the office well, that know. day. Helpful. Very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I absolutely agree with you, and that's something that you know I try when I when I work. I and I tell I've told this to other people I've worked with is I'm always working like I'm being watched, even when I'm not being watched. You know, um, and I'm always kind of self-conscious of where I put things. Even when I used to work at Boudoir, I was alone down in that basement. But I still did it that way because it was it's really important to me to always try. And I'm far from a perfect anything, but to always try to be perfect. I can say, honestly, and I'm, I'm one of those people who just loves to just watch bartenders, especially bartenders who have been working this industry longer than I have. And I'm not going to say the bar that she was working in, but when... I saw, when I first met Frankie, the attention to detail, and it was just these very, very seemingly minute things, like you know how a like how a mixing glass was positioned on the bar, and just like these half-inch turns, and I just remember watching, and going, that all makes sense, 
yeah. to me. Like, and it was just one of those things I remember looking and going, that's just like the most incredible attention to detail I've ever had. And not arbitrary at all, because the second that she got very, very busy, muscle memory was just there, and she was moving and moving and moving. Sure, it gives you the opportunity to look up at your guests and speak to them while you're grabbing things because you know right where they are and how they're positioned. And if you're doing that when you're alone, then you're practicing doing that when you're not alone. Mm. It actually led to me going into shifts like a half hour before my call time just so I could get my well. Frankie Marshall stuff. <laughs> you know, Marshall that well. And then I'd go outside, have a cigarette, I'd be like, no one touch a fucking thing on this yeah. side of the bar. This is set, it's good, don't touch it, I'll be back. It's been marshaled. I'm going to hashtag that. No, thank you. Marshall? I appreciate yeah, that. No worries. I really appreciate that. Thank yeah. you. There's and a new Marshall in town. Ah. Marshalling your well. Uh, so it's going to trend. Yeah. Frankie Marshall, what a great uh, talk, time talking to you. Such a delight to have on. I'm always happy when I see you. Um, you are featured in my book. You're one of my 10 guest bartenders in the book. You you made a drink in there um, that uses cognac because that's your jam. Actually, oh wait, it, yeah. it's not a cognac drink for once, but thank you. For, so yeah, thank you for having me in the book. Oops. Thank you for having me on the show. No, it drink. was a mescal cocktail. Oh, that's mescal, right. That, I even remember scotch. thinking to myself, oh, this is weird of her not to go with cognac. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, okay, fine. Well, I think that's I sent you, you a few, but you chose in the end. I think so I, had to, your fault. I had to get a better spread of things in the of, book. You know, of course. I think my editor probably chose. Thanks, Jeff. The, the, the spread's important. Yeah. Hey. Um, I, <laughs> so nice to have Just, you on. Um, where can people find you if they want to reach out? Uh, my place. Hey. <laughs> no, no, Don't well, give right, out your address. On no, I, I was. Thank you for stopping me because I was about to. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm in between. I'm on a, what did you call it? A fun, fun employment. Fun, fun employment. employment? Yes. Um, hiatus. So, yeah, I've just been doing a little uh, gigs here and there. But, yeah, I'm on the, I'm on the market, ladies and gentlemen. Mm, Single ready to mingle. So, uh, yeah. so to that end, how can it. these ladies and gentlemen in contact you? Uh, you got a Twitter, Instagram, you want to, or Facebook, whatever. What, yeah, you know, fr- could, Facebook. I'm at, at Ms. Frankie Frankie with a Y, please. Enough with the I E. It's Y. Frankie, Thank you. Frankie. Yeah, Ms. Frankie Frankie. And on Instagram, I'm um, drinking dot violet. And um, yeah, there we go. So people can get a hold of you. And, uh, offer you jobs uh, <laughs> if you want them. You know, you're, an, you're an independent and woman. And other things. Uh, and other. Hey, it's a modern world. Yeah. Uh, we can all get into contact on the internet. I want to mention uh, and thank you so much for being here. Love having you. Uh, but I want to mention something that's coming up on um, February 24th is a Sunday down at um, uh, Stage Left. Francis Schatz place. Uh-huh. Are you going to go to this thing? I was thinking because I saw you're going, so I was actually well, thinking about it. Let's me and talk Natalie about are going. going. Yeah. I've got a couple other friends that are going. Yeah. So you should come. It'll mm-hmm. be fun. Um, Dale DeGroff uh, with Francis Schott at his spot, stage left down in New Brunswick, um, along with Eric Anderson. He's the Hendrix Gin uh, ambassador. They're launching the new Hendrix Gin, the Orbium, right? That's the one that's got uh, the, oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, got yeah, quinine yeah. and wormwood yeah. and blue lotus in it. I've tried it; it's delicious. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, uh, it's kind of got a bitter note that I'm really into. Um, you know, Hendrix Gin uh, isn't isn't the, the the regular expression you know I like it but it's not something that jumps out to me but this one with these bitter notes of course it's a lot I'm, more robust I found I'm kind mm. of the bitter guy right mm-hmm. so I dig it mm. anyway Dale's gonna be down there making martinis and talking about the history of martinis Eric's gonna be down there talking about Hendrix Francis Schott's gonna be down there just rolling around the room because he's a boss um, it's February 24th it's 3.30 to 5pm it's $35 a person you can find that on their website at uh, 
at uh, Stage Left Steak and Wine. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm going to go down there, so you can come hang out with me if you want. And yeah. maybe, maybe we'll get Frankie to come down. Maybe Matt, Matt will come down. You'll be employed by then. Yeah. <laughs> What's the date again? It's uh, Sunday the 24th uh, from 3.30 to 5 o'clock. Oh, I don't, I don't work Sundays. Yeah, man. Excellent. We are. That's just like a thing. So And you, and you shouldn't. You, yeah, you and Tracy and Sally could come along, too, I'm sure. Yeah. Sally, you want to go to Jersey? We're all going to jump on a train and go down there. I got it's, the head um, tilt. I got real, the head tilt. Yeah. yeah. It's a and real, we love Dale. We love Dale. We yes. love Francis. It's a great yeah, time. He's got, you know... Basically, Francis is kind of a contemporary of Dale's, and uh, he decided to open up shop in his hometown down there and has made, you know, f- Stays Left's been there for like 20-something mm-hmm. years, yeah. cranking out beautiful food and crazy, and crazy delicious, forward-thinking cocktails. Nice. Um, you know, it's kind of a, I don't know, under-recognized market, but he's been uh, definitely over-serving that market the whole time, right? With, <laughs> with, with, with not over-serving in the bad way, over-serving with good quality and, you know, yes. like... Of course. Over-delivering in Over-delivering. The there we go. Yeah. Under-promise, okay. over-deliver every single time. Um, thanks everybody for tuning into the Speakeasy this week. Uh, uh, tune into more shows just like this one on Heritage Radio Network. It's our tenth year, HRN wow. ten years. Um, you know, we're we're discovering that we're possibly the the largest collection of audio um, files based on food and drink in the world. That's pretty rad. Wow. Ten years at Heritage Radio. Thanks wow. for being on, guys. It was an honor to be here. Thank you for having me, gents. Thank yes. you, Damon. <laughs> see you. Miss you. Get back yeah, soon. B- yeah. Bye, Please. <laughs> You don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. Want more of the Speakeasy? Follow us and ask questions on Instagram at Speakeasy Podcast or on Twitter at Speakeasy Radio. You can find Damon at Damon Bolte and you can find me at Creative Drunk on all platforms. Take a moment to write us a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite platform and give us a star rating, five if possible. If you're visiting New York City or a resident, stop by the studio and hang out with us during an episode. Reach out beforehand to make sure we'll be here. We'd love to see you. And please support our show by visiting heritageradionetwork.org and clicking on the beating heart to donate. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can also find us at Facebook.com slash Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.